We're back with another episode of the Return of the Roar podcast, Sacktown Sports 1140. My name is Brendan Nunes. Got my guy Frankie Cardicelli joining me as well. What's going on, Frank? How you feeling, man? I'm good. You know, it's been a, a roller coaster of a couple of days for the Kings and for us, I guess. You know, back to back days at the stadium for for us as well as the team and a bunch of fans that I'm sure uh, were, were treated to uh, quite a letdown last night, as in Wednesday night's loss to the Clippers, but. Uh, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. We're both off today, which is, you know, working on a day off. Can't stop. Very thankful. Us. Can't stop us, I guess. Uh, but no, I'm, uh, I'm, I was like putting some late night, just tweets together about where the Kings are and, and how they're doing this year compared to last year. And, uh, it's literally a mirror image. They're both 10 and seven starts through 17. But, uh, these two games were, I guess really were, I don't know how you're, taking those two games, Warriors and Clippers, but I guess they're a Malik Monk prayer away from two bad losses. Is that kind of just the the other end of things? Like, do you view it that way? Yeah, I, I guess that, that does make sense, but I don't know. I am guess I'm more of a they, they did win, and I think I don't want to lean too negative. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I get what you're saying. Like, the start of that Warriors game was really bad, and it actually goes back, like, I think, to the second New Orleans game. Like, I think... The New Orleans game, the second one, obviously the first one, they just got smacked from start to finish. But second one, the first half was bad. They played much better defense in the second half. Minnesota, bad defense in the first half. Saw really good defense in the second half. Golden State, bad defense in the first half. And even the third quarter and then the fourth quarter, they just totally lock up and hold Golden State to 19 points. And then you get to the Clippers and... They made a run, the Kings stepping in the second half after a really poor defensive first half, but it was not enough and, and the defense just didn't end up stepping up in that same way. But I feel like it's just been a tale of two halves for the last four games, really. And it, it has so much to do with, on my in my mind, with the defensive end. And that's kind of always the thing with this team, right? Like we know what they could do offensively, but defensively, do you feel like, seeing them step up in the second half of these games and have, would you say there's been more encouraging defensive moments so far than we saw last year? Yeah. I mean, and it's in the numbers too, I guess, but I guess, I mean, the, the eye test it's passing for sure. And the numbers too. I mean, uh, you said on, cause again, we were just talking off the air about how there's different metrics for basketball reference and NBA.com. NBA.com has them in, in the top 20. They're 19th in defensive rating. 19th in defensive rating. Yeah. Top 20. They're top 20 defense. That's, <laughs> baby steps so yeah i mean i think that the fact that they're making these late game adjustments is is great it's promising i mean they've they've cut down 20 plus point leads in the past two games which you don't want to fall behind by 20 points to begin with but the fact you're making the adjustments is a good step now last night against the clippers it wasn't the same case as against golden state they weren't able to overcome the 20 plus point deficit but the fact that they're able to make these games interesting and not letting it spire out of control and uh, I did see them match some physicality and we're using the word physicality, but last night they were getting really bullied uh, by some of those bigger wings. And that's a problem that's going to pose as a, it's going to be a problem until the Kings address it and bring in more help because they cannot defend multiple high scoring wings. And we saw them get torched last night by Kawhi Leonard. We saw them get torched by, I mean, he's a guard, but plays, you know, he's pretty much positionless most of the time, James Harden. And Paul George had his moments, even though I don't think he really, I don't think he finished 20 plus points, but he had a minute where he was cooking. So it's encouraging to see them make the adjustments, but I think it is more of a personnel thing down. I mean, as far as 
the Kings are reaching deeper and they're getting better defense from their guys. But at what point is it, okay, we're getting the most out of these guys defensively and it's a matter of just ability because we know the Kings can help on defense and a step forward is great, but it's not getting them all the way there. Now, again, to close this rant, 10 and seven is great. Being better defensive rating last year. Great. Um, the amount of deficits has been concerning though. I think a lot of people are pointing that out how last year's 10 and seven start was different. The Kings, they lost those first four or five games, but they weren't really getting blown out. And in the Kings losses this year, uh, seven losses, the average margin of, of defeat is by 15.2 points. That's Oof. not really, not really close. So does that, does that concern you as far as the Kings? There've been a couple of close games. I mean, the golden state game is one. And I think there's a couple that are missing, but um are you concerned about how when they lose, they lose big, or is it just, you know, a matter of it's the NBA and anything can happen on any given night? Yeah, honestly, I don't really know. Like it is like when you get to the postseason, you go down big early. It's really hard to come back. And I do think it needs to be ironed out, but I do lean more towards optimistic that they have been able to come back back in a handful of games rather than pessimistic that the fact that they went down in the first place um but you know it is very night and day of either they're gonna get blown out in this game or they're just totally gonna bring it back and it's like i think to that point like when they're down by whatever it was i think 20 plus at halftime against the clippers is it just me are you kind of sitting there like you know they could they could still bring this back like that's how this team has been. Right. And maybe it's a little different because it's second night of a back-to-back and their energy was really not there. And we'll get to the back-to-back thing um, that De'Aaron acknowledged post game. But like, I don't know. I almost lean more towards positive that they have the mental fortitude and like toughness to be able to bring these games back. Like obviously, ideally you don't fall down in that same way as often. Sometimes it's going to happen, but I, I do think it's happened too often but I'm more so encouraged by the fact that they've been able to bring it back except for those, you know, Houston and new Orleans games really. Yeah. And that's a good point. And I feel the same way. I think it is an interesting spot to be in how, and last year I felt the same way. If the Kings were down by over 10 at halftime, I would say, okay, I mean, this game is, it's not over by any means. And um, well, last night, I think they were down by 22 at halftime or 24 at halftime. Uh, it was daunting. But I never felt like it was truly over, over. Uh, and that's that I, get, I think is is a, a plus with this Kings group that they're never really truly out of a game. Uh, I guess Sands, the the Houston and I guess one of the New Orleans games, they're just getting completely destroyed. But um, I think that does, does speak to the fact that they are able to mount these comebacks and they're able to dig deep. And Mike Brown was throwing a bunch of different guys out there in both nights. He was going deep. I think he went 12 guys deep in the first game against mm-hmm. Golden State, and then I think he went even deeper last, I don't know, 12 again last night, I think. I can't really remember. It's right here. Mike Brown last night went 12. I mean, it's kind of skewer because he put on those guys late, but one, two, three, four, five, six. So he went 11 guys deep last night before putting in the subs when they were, you know, the game was out of reach. So Mike's yeah. going a little deeper in the rotation to kind of find these right fits. And we saw Sasa Vazenkov. He's found, I think, um, a rhythm. And I think he scored 13 points last night, the most in his career. I'm sure we'll talk about him in a little bit, but um, the fact that they're able to mount these comebacks is encouraging. I just think that if they could go ahead and 
figure out a way to not fall down by 20 points, uh, that might put you in a better position to win these games without having to, you know, knock down a crazy last second shot or make a furious last, you know, ditch effort comeback. Yeah. By the way, the Malik shot was just insane. Like there, there's some luck involved there for sure. I can't but on it. Coach's point is like, it was so chaotic. Like that's kind of the perfect cherry on top for that game. It's basketball. It was like very March Madness esque. Yes. Like that's the kind of shot you see only in March Madness. In the NBA, it's happened a lot too. But that's the one you or see in the like, in season tournament, Frank. In the in season tournament, <laughs> excuse me. The NBA's March Madness. But I think that that's a kind of game that, or a kind of shot that you see like in a March Madness 2019 best moments like highlight reel. Like it would just when he left his feet, when Malik Monk left his feet for that shot, and I think it was was it Wiggins in front of him. I think it was Wiggins in front of him. I believe so. Uh, I said, like, okay, well, that's a loss. Like, they're Warriors and get the rebound. Oh, my first thought was I told you before the timeout. I said, Kings have the ball. So no matter what, even if they miss it, they're going to get, you know, the ball back down by three. They're going to foul Golden State, get the ball down by three with five seconds left. So that was a thought that went through my head. Um, and banks it in. And that's the second time against the Warriors. Demona Sabonis in the Bay Area banks in that shot before Clay hits the game winner. So I don't know what's up with the bank that's in the right. Kings. But luck, getting lucky here against Golden State in these late game situations. Yeah, to your point of, by the way, Mike playing 12 guys, Coach Brown playing 12 guys these last games. I, I don't feel like he wants to be playing 12 necessarily every night. And I don't know that I view it as the most encouraging thing because I feel like for a lot of it, like you go to that Warriors game, right? JaVale plays five minutes because he plays his first stint in the first half, right? Typically backup bigs and, and backup point guard is playing 12, 13 minutes a night. The two five to seven minute stints where De'Aaron or Domas are off the floor. But JaVale only plays five in that first half because it didn't go great. No. And in the second half, they elected to go with Trey Lyles at the five and Sasha at the four and a little bit more small ball. And then you saw the exact same thing happen in the Clippers game. Or, you know, you see Keon Ellis come in at the end of the first half of that Golden State game. And it's really because other guys aren't getting it done. Like he mentioned, Malik Monk didn't play much in the first half of that game. And coach mentioned post game that, you know, he was getting backed up by Clay a little too often. And so while the depth is encouraging from the standpoint of you have other guys you can go to. I do think there's an aspect of like he's only feeling like he needs to do that because these other guys aren't cutting it like HB not really getting it done recently. Well, okay. I think offensively, actually, I think he's been fine recently. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's been solid these last handful of games defensively. No. Chris Duarte still kind of fouling a lot. I, I still think of him as like a better TD. You know, I've felt fine with Chris Duarte from the standpoint of like, if he's like your 10th guy. He's um, a, a more in control TD, like more less out of control, less erratic. But uh, the fouls are tough, and also I don't think he played in the second half last night. Did he? Did he finish with thirteen minutes? I don't believe so, right? Because he didn't. I think they started Sasha in the second half. Last yeah. Night. And, yes, and, and he was on the bench. I asked you if you saw him on the bench yeah, last night, and so I, I would imagine there's no injury situation there. But yeah, that is definitely telling. Yeah, or or like Kessler comes in. It's like I, again, I think it's nice that you have these options, but you don't want to have to stray from your original game plan, right? Like I know that that's the nature of the league and sometimes that's going to have to happen, but I feel like it's been 
each of the last four games or so where it's like, this isn't working. We got to look somewhere else. And I guess that's the nature of the beginning of a season. While there is so much continuity on this roster, there's a decent amount of differences. There's been a handful of injuries. I actually think Alex Len was pretty solid in his minutes mm-hmm. and that they're miss they're missing him as an option here. And obviously Keegan Murray has been a big miss as well, but like, what do you take from the exactly what we were just talking about that, you know, maybe your original plan doesn't work. And then, so you're going to deeper into the bench. I mean, at a time like now, especially now with Keegan Murray out and we saw it with De'Aaron Fox out and Mike was trying different things. Colby Jones got a couple uh, opportunities and Keon Ellis obviously is in the rotation or was in the rotation. And now he's kind of him and Davion are kind of just switching off opportunities. It kind of just depends on who's having a better first impression I think in a game now as far as who's going to stick out the game as the backup point guard but um I think that the loss of some of these guys has really hurt this rotation and really hurt which is crazy to say on a 10 and 7 start but losing De'Aaron Fox for five games that hurts I mean those two games in Houston do they go a lot better I mean they lose by 18 and 20 or 18 and 25 I don't know if it makes that much of a difference but losing your star guard for five games early in the season does not help losing Keegan Murray over the past four surely does not help. You're having to go play guys like Kessler and find things again. Trey Lyles being back does help. I think he has been uh, pretty good last night was his first kind of rough showing, but there wasn't really anyone uh, in the, I mean, as far as the forwards go, the only four that really had a, a great game last night, I think is Sasha Vazenkov. Yeah. Uh, just looking at what happened. I don't know if Harrison Barnes had his, you know, he Harrison Barnes finished with nine points last night and five rebounds. So yeah, back, back to being quiet, but, um, I think it's a matter of when will Keegan Murray come back to st- stabilize the rotation? Because when the Kings are fully healthy, which through 17 games, we've not seen the Kings fully healthy yet. There has not been a clean injury report in any of these games. Trey Lyles missed 13. Fox, oh, missed, yeah. Fox missed five. Keegan's missed four. So we have yet to see this whole team together. Now, is that an excuse? And am I going to say that Trey Lyles being out at the beginning of the year when everybody else was playing is, is, did that change everything? And, and is that responsible for the Kings? No, I, I, I don't think that at all. But I, I will say that King Murray has been arguably the Kings' best defender this year. I mean, top three, at least top two, top three. De'Aaron's probably number one. Yeah. But Keegan's up there. And not having him last night against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, not having him for uh, Monday's game against the Pelicans will be pretty rough because we just saw the news that Trey Murphy and, and CJ McCollum are going to be playing uh, tomorrow night. So I I think that it kind of comes back to the Kings miss Keegan Murray right now. I think that, you know, what he brings in offense, and he struggled this year, let's be clear, I think he's 36% from the field in, in the 20s from three, I think 28 from three. But his ability to, to defend and be a body out there, a reliable presence has just been been missed the past four games. And the Kings have had a couple of good games. They, they got by Minnesota, who – has been a complete nightmare for them with with their long forwards and, and Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. They they beat the Warriors. They finally got over that hump uh, without Keegan Murray, which is great. But then you kind of see the other end of it and take it with a grain of salt because it's the second time of a back-to-back. I don't want to keep making that excuse. But um, to kind of pivot, I guess, into the back-to-back discussion because it is, honestly, I'm surprised it's taken that much of a – it's kind of coming to a head on social media. There's a lot of people have thoughts on it. It's not anything new to me. Like I, that's why last night I was completely designed. This is a back. This is the part of the NBA. And are they 
pointless sometimes because I think um, someone was pointing out how the Kings had, and the Warriors both had three off days in a row, and the NBA didn't schedule a game in either of their off days. And then the Kings played the Clippers last night on a back-to-back, and they're off for two days. So, like, I think the scheduling is a little suspect. Mm -hmm. But do you look at it, like, last night as far as no excuses, back-to-back's a part of the game? Or do you think it's valid when teams come out flat like last night and the Kings completely just were getting blown out of the water early? And I don't I don't know if it was dead legs or what, but do you think that there's any reasoning or or a crutch to lean on as far as the Kings playing back-to-backs? I'm going to go with no, and I think Matt George, I saw tweet this, and I think it's a great point, is that De'Aaron played 40 minutes against Golden State and played great. And then he comes out in that Clippers game, plays 38, and drops 40 points. And he had four turnovers, which I'm sure he's not happy about because he's a career low in turnovers this year, something he's been really good at. He pointed that out, too. He knows. Yeah. And he also went 9 of 10 from the free throw line after going 9 of 18 in the previous game. And pretty funnily, post-game, he got asked um, about you know scoring 40, and it seeming fairly simple for him. And he just joked, you know, that's what happens when you make your free throws. And I love to hear that because, you know, he, he he's very self-aware. And I think that I'm a big fan of De'Aaron. But he played more minutes than anybody. And then he came out and probably had the most energy in that game. And then you also point at Sasha Vizenkov, who came in in that Golden State game with about three minutes left or so in that third quarter, played the rest of the game. So sure, he only played 15 minutes the night before, but it's 15 consecutive minutes. That's not easy in Sacramento's Against the Warriors. Against, Against the, the Warriors. Warriors. And then he probably had, like you said, maybe the second best game last night against the Clippers. He plays 24 and has his best offensive contribution night. Like those guys are the two that I would have expected to maybe be the most tired with Domas right there too. And it's like they found ways to contribute. You know, I thought Malik was okay last night against the Clippers. It's really Kevin. I think there's a little bit of a history of when he's, when he starts to get a little gassed that shots aren't going down. Like we saw it in that golden state series. He acknowledged it after that. And then that's what felt like the case last night. But it, to me, it's really Domas here that we're talking about. Like, some of these other guys, sure, you could have used more from. But like Domas has got to show up more, right? Like, and especially against the I mean, starting with the Warriors game, I mean, you we all know. He knows too. I mean, he he's a pretty self-aware guy too. Like you you know that you need to show up against Kevon Looney. And he made, he did some good things that, I mean, obviously the 10 rebounds, that's like, that's expected. You know, I don't even want to say that's even a, a great thing. That's expected for a guy averaging, you know, thir- 12 rebound, rebounds per game. But when you keep letting guys like Kevon Looney, uh, Zubats last night, um, Sabonis did end up having a couple of good games in new Orleans, but early he was struggling with Valanciunas. So he wasn't really the main problem. I think we've seen those... Steven Adams be a problem before. Oh, been a nightmare. Like, as soon yeah. as Steven Adams was ruled out for the year, I said, okay, well, that's <laughs> one less person for Sabonis to worry about because Steven Adams was getting, I think he averaged 20 rebounds per game against the Kings last year. So the fact that Sabonis continues to struggle with these physical, bruising bigs, 
I mean, Sabonis, that's what he is. That's what we that's what we all know him to be. He is a bruising physical go-getter. They'll go in there and and he's not afraid to get hit. We've seen him get hit every game. There's the joke on social media. Sabonis got hit in the face, drink. Um, but he just completely did not show up the past two games. And the Kings were lucky enough to get a win against the Warriors because some role players, like we talked about, Sasha, Malik, obviously, De'Aaron, um, Harrison Barnes, they, they showed up. But last night, the Kings really had no inside presence. And, man, seeing guys like Kawhi Leonard and, and Zubach just go on there and just go right to the, the basket with little restraint, I think Kawhi Leonard bodied, uh, I don't know if it was Sabonis last night. I think, was it Sabonis? Kawhi Leonard just completely annihilated somebody on the way to the basket last night. Like the it dunk, wasn't, right? Yeah. It, it, was that Sabonis? Yeah, I forget who it was. It was, it was honestly. I want to say it was. It looked just like, it looked like me going against like my cousin when we were kids. Like my younger cousin who, you know, when I was like 15, he was like six trying to stop me from dunking on a seven foot hoop. It's like, you're, there, there's no chance, man. Like It was on JaVale. Okay, well, that makes it a little more. That makes a little more sense. <laughs> that makes a little more sense. But, uh, but I saw Zubats do it to Sabonis too last night. I mean, not not quite to that extreme poster effect, but we see it happen a lot that Sabonis gets disheveled or he he's not able to really get position. Uh, he's not able to get post ups to to work, and he starts settling for jumpers or those turnaround fadeaways, which you know they fall sometimes. Uh, it looks like he's working on it and. Dropped a couple of early threes, but other than that, last night he was completely non-existent. There's been a handful of games where he's just really quiet, right? Like, really, these last two games, Golden State and L.A., the Clippers, and then that one Houston game where he shot the ball four times. It's like there's almost a difference in aggression, and this isn't to say that he disappears because his screening is not going to show up in these numbers, right? He's a phenomenal screener. Like, De'Aaron's 40 is in part due to Domas. His ability to get boards, hit those outlet passes to De'Aaron and get him easy layups. Like Domas for sure helps enable all of these guys. So it goes beyond this. But like, I I do think that when you are one of the two all-stars on the team on a night where your team is struggling to get something done, specifically like you talk about the minutes De'Aaron's on the bench, right? It's who is going to be the one to run this offense and it's been Malik Monk and I think Malik's been good. Um, He's been really, really good. I think every single shot he throws up is going in currently. He's just been on a heater. It feels like not amazing in that Clippers game, but still solid 15 points on three of eight from the field, seven of seven from the free throw line. Um, But like, I just think that you need more from Domas. I don't like how often we've had these quiet games. And quiet games where he almost feels passive, like seven shots against the Warriors. Um, Three of 12 is like 12 attempts itself is an okay number against the Clippers. But to your point, like, you know, it feels like he kind of is banging inside there and goes for the suck and maybe doesn't get calls that he could sometimes. But then he goes to a turnaround fadeaway. And it's like, I don't think I want you shooting a turnaround fadeaway. Like maybe one a game, I guess. uh, Like, fine. There's 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 been too many. Yeah been too and then to your point of keegan not being there typically i feel like how this team functions is you have darren and domas doing what they do consistently and then either a third guy just totally goes off one night or you get two or three solid contributions and that didn't happen in that clippers game it happened in the warriors game malik monk played great 
Kevin Herter had a really good first half. I actually thought Harrison Barnes had a solid quarter in there as well. Um, it didn't happen in this Clippers game. And I do think that how missing Keegan would have been or having Keegan would have mattered a lot in that game. Like you go in that closing lineup and I think they have like Fox Malik and Kevin all in their starting front court and Kevin Herter's being asked to guard um, James Harden at the end of that game, because like you just don't have any other options, right? Like it's tough positionally. We're seeing super weird lineups, but I understand why, but it's like, We've seen Fox, Malik, and Davion play together. We've seen Trey, Sasha, and Sabonis play together. And it's like, these are just such atypical lineups. I feel like you don't have the typical size. You have very lineups that have very clear strengths and very clear weaknesses. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem again, like we talked about, or I was mentioning earlier, like at a certain point, I think we talked about it with Chris and Alan yesterday on, on the air about how at a certain point, it's just a personnel thing. It's just a what you are needing from the players that you have. You, the combinations you're looking for just aren't there. And especially last night with Keegan not being available, or the last couple of games Keegan not being available. I think there was a lineup last night uh, where you. I think Duarte was in with. I think it was Fox. Um, it was Fox Herder, Sasha, Lyles, Sabonis. Maybe I can't remember if it was that exactly, but either way, Duarte was in. I think you said. Keegan would make this a lot better lineup. Like it just yes. it just is not the same because Duarte has done good things, but the, the fouling is still tough. The, the 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 inability to play intense defense or or aggressive defense and not foul re- continues to be an issue. And I know that's something that needs to be addressed at some point. And obviously, Chris Duarte is not supposed to be the starting small forward on this team. He wasn't brought in to be the starting small forward on this team. Uh, but the lineups are interesting. And also with the fact that the Kings don't really have a clear cut. I mean, last night, I think it was just Davion. I don't think uh, Keon played against the Warriors. I don't think he played until, did he play in the early game? I don't think he played early in the game last night. I think Davion's back No, in. Keon never even checked in. Yeah, Keon was the only DNP last night. So Davion, for now, who had a good game last night? Which, by the way, Davion, yeah. for a minute, was the Kings' offense. He scored seven points, I think, the third quarter. Um, he's their was their, their offense for a, a good chunk of of one of those quarters last night. So having stability at these positions is important. And I know that number sports is important too. Just like with baseball, like I know that guys when they're being moved around the lineup, they feel uncomfortable when they don't know what their role is. Like you want to know where you're going to be and what position you're going to play or guys have to play all around the infield or outfield, whatever. But in basketball, I think it's similar. You want to know what you're going to be you're doing every night. You want to know. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag, but, what is your role? What am I, what is my role? But Davion Mitchell, I know we talk about him a lot and we joke a lot and he gets a lot of flack, but it's, it's incredibly hard. I'm sure for him to sit there and, and obviously you follow the rotation briefly, but now it's you're playing spot minutes. And for an older guy like JaVale McGee, it makes sense. He is a spot like, okay, let's try him not working. You're coming out. You're 36 years old. You're a rim protector. You're a lob threat. That's what you are. Davion though, a 25 year old guard who is a defensive juggernaut on most nights we like to think um trying to improve his offense we know he's maybe gonna be on the trading block if the kings make a big move but they need some stability in that second unit i think and i think that when keegan comes back and trey's back it hasn't been uh that has not been the case yet keegan and trey not played together there'll be some stability there then but i'm wondering if that's something that could be an issue as well like they have no stability in their second unit right now 
They don't. And I, I think your point of like knowing what your role is going to be on a night to night basis um, makes a lot of sense. I also think this is kind of the nature again of the beginning of a season. I think a lot of teams are trying to figure this out and also the nature of the handful of small injuries the Kings have had. It's not like it's been anything big. The longest one is probably Trey's calf, um, which is, you know, just tricky when it comes to calves. Well, is have the you seen like, we always get, we always say that, but have you seen like back people on social media that are back specialists? And even last night we were talking to Henry Turner at uh, the, the table, the media dinner, t- uh, dining room table that, for these like leg injuries or whatever, you know, like we were talking about severe injuries, like ACL reconstruction and, and Achilles and all that. But for backs, there's no clear fix. Like there's no easy fix for backs. So he was trying to tell us like, Hey man, like keep an eye on that. Like when you start having back issues, like you don't really stop. This is the second time this has happened for Keegan too. Yeah. It's back issues. And again, as a, as an old 29 year old, man, <laughs> as Franklin, uh, as Franklin, that old 29 year old, I'm almost 30, <laughs> but I, I finally started having a little bit of back issues and it sucks. Like it really is, does not feel good. It, it's different. I, I now look at people like when I'm, when I was younger, I'd see people that complain about back issues and say, whatever, you're probably fine. No, it like ruins your day. So Keegan, who went through a full practice on Monday, and I think we all kind of had the idea, oh, he's going to, he's going to play on, on Tuesday. Cause that's how the Kings operate. They always operate that way. Whenever guys come back and log a full practice, they're back the next game. That wasn't the case. Keegan spoke to us at, at shoot around and said, yeah, it's, it's still bothering me. Like I'm working my way back and um, it's bothering me. And Mike last night even said, he'll be back when he's back. So I'm wondering in your, are you concerned at all about this could be a long-term thing? Like it's a little different than a ankle or a calf. This is a, a back, just a, a question mark. Yeah. And I think it kind of, is going to remain a question mark to me because I just don't really know. Like, I, I think the fact that he went through that practice is encouraging to me. And what that probably is, is what I would guess is that, you know, he didn't feel amazing after it and that there was still some lingering stuff after shoot around or that practice. And so I think the fact that he's already out there is encouraging to me. I think if it comes up for a third time in his career within the next year or so i'll be like okay this is something you know like i'm willing when when you see twice to be like okay this is something to monitor but i don't know that i'll i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna hold off on that one but where are you at i mean i don't want to read too much into what people on the internet like spe- specifically twitter are like trying to tell me because it's what like an si joint or something right yeah i've had a lot of people though doctors on twitter saying I don't know. Like that's a big one. Like it's really tough to come back from that. My uncle had it. It's like, okay, I, I have no doubt. And I I understand that back injuries are like we say, calves are tricky. I think backs are probably even trickier. I think everyone's trying. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people just in general life have to deal with back injuries on a day-to-day basis. Like Keegan Murray's a human being. Uh, I think the fact that he's young, he has the best medical staff that money can buy available the Kings training staff was the best in the year last year. They won awards for how good they handled injuries. Even this year, the injuries they've had, they've been banged up. De'Aaron Fox came back and then what, two weeks, less than two weeks, a little less than two weeks. Chris Duarte got injured briefly. He came back pretty quick. Trey Lyles longer and a more serious injury. Like you talked about how, how important it is to make sure that that calf recovers. He's back and he's playing well. Uh, so I have no doubt that he'll be back. Um, I don't think it's gonna be like, oh my God, we're gonna get an update on tomorrow when we go to practice that Keegan's out for, you know, indefinitely. I think that it's, 
it's a matter of pain management. And that's what Keegan said himself. It's pain management, but. Um, well, and we also saw them be super precautionary with Trey and De'Aaron, right? Like we yes. thought those timelines would be quicker that we saw them getting workouts in and looking good, but they were patient. At least that's what yeah. it seemed, right? Like they were more so on the back end of their timeline, maybe even a, a little bit further, specifically De'Aaron is the one we had a vague timeline. Trey was always pretty up in the air, but like, I think we've seen early in this year, they play it pretty safe. And we heard if it was a important game, if it was a playoff game or late game situation. Mike said it too with De'Aaron. Like if, it, if it was a playoff game, I think he'd be, he'd be suiting up and giving it a go. But if it's, it was like the fourth, fifth game of the year. Like what are we doing here? Right. I think with Keegan, it's the same thing. They're 10 and seven. They're not even a quarter of the way through the season yet. Like we're really not, we're still in November. Like this is the last day of November. We're in the pretty much opening month of the season still. So the Kings are going to take their time with him. Like they need to have him. And again, the Kings have been playing with Keegan, who's been important and been a presence out there, but he hasn't really been his full self yet, which I think is also another avenue. The Kings haven't gone down yet. I mean, Keegan Murray this year, I was going to pull up his numbers here, but of course he didn't play last night. So, but so far this year, uh, down from obviously his 41% shooting from last year, 13 points per game. The rebounds are up 6.2 boards, 28% from three, 39%. The field goal attempts we talked about a couple weeks ago, they're up. He's shooting 12 and a half uh, field goal attempts per game up from nine. So that's 12 shots missing a game. Harrison Barnes done a good job of filling in, but the Kings have not had a fully healthy, fully firing Keegan Murray yet. So that's something to look forward to, I think, but, they're going to have to make do without him if they can't have him for Saturday's game against the the Nuggets. They're a little banged up, too. I know Aaron Gordon's going through something right now. They just got Jamal Murray back. Uh, and then it's Monday as well. If they want to go punch tickets to Las Vegas, they got to beat New Orleans, who a fully healthy New Orleans team, they got a lot of forwards. They got a lot of big guys that can pose a problem. Yeah, it sounds like Trey Murphy is starting to make his way back, um, which is a big addition for that team. Obviously, have to see how he'll be. Uh, what sort of form he'll be in coming from a, a pretty long stint of of recovery. But to your point of Keegan, like I, I do think offensively the shots have not gone down great, but I, I feel like we have seen progress. Like you mentioned the defense earlier. I think the rebounding has been good for him. I think there's been a little bit more like connective passing, um, just like tertiary stuff, nothing crazy or anything like that. Um, and, you know, a couple moments of finishing at the rim, right? Like, he still is doing his double clutches and soft layups, but there's been one or two, two, three, four, whatever it is, uh, like tough finishes around the yeah. rim. So I think we have seen progress there, but they're definitely missing him. Like coach always talks about the positional versatility that Keegan and Harrison provide to the team. And I think Trey somewhat belongs in that conversation as well, being able to play really like three to five almost, it seems like um, within their offense defense. But you're definitely missing Keegan when it comes to that size. Like Sabonis is already undersized, quote unquote, for a typical center. And so you'd like to have more size and length at your three, four and Keegan Harrison even almost are a little small. But when you're forced to go with like Kevin down to the three and Chris at the two or whoever you want to call the two in the three, I think that size really hurts. Um, but I feel like we've had a fairly like pessimistic tone on this episode. No, I agree. No, I, I honestly was just thinking – what do you have? You, you I was going to ask. They're, they're 10 and seven. Like they're doing no. fine. Let, let's. Yes. I think that that honestly though kind of gets to like, it's almost heartwarming because it's, it's how far the Kings have come that it's true. You know, Chris, Chris Watkins, I was sitting on this podcast for two, three years and just be like, Oh man, they're 
eight and 16 or eight and 14. Like what the hell are they going to do to fix this? No, they're 10 and seven. Like we talked about, they're missing guys. And dude, you know what? I understand it's a regular season game. First of all, little side note, Bronny James has been cleared to make a full return to mm. basketball. That's cool. Awesome. Um, could see Brian James playing Paige's son uh, in the you know, final year of the Pac-12. Um, but I, I, I think that beating the Warriors, I want to know what you think. Because, again, as every Kings-Warriors game we've seen on social media, there's been so much just, you know, it's been toxic fighting. And it, it's kind of funny at this point. I don't really read too much into it now. But there, the little brother talk has been... I viewed it that I view it that way. I think the Kings have been little brother to the Warriors. I think that even though they played them hard in the first round, they need to start kind of putting their foot down and, and punching back and losing six to seven, including the playoffs and regular season. They couldn't make it seven and eight. You, you can't fall zero and three to the Warriors this year and, and have that still be like, oh wow, the Kings and Warriors have been. No, there needs to be like a clear like competition going on and a clear back and forth. And after Clay's game winner and after what we saw how the Kings lost that game in heartbreaking fashion. The fact that the Kings hit them back. I just want to know how meaningful do you think that was for obviously the Kings it's meaningful. They need to win games and, you know, make their way towards the playoff push. But as far as the Kings warriors conversation goes, because I've seen that game, like the ringer, I think put out an article the next day about how, is this the end of the warriors dynasty? And like, does that article come out if the, if the warriors win? Someone's wondering like, how important do you think that game was as far as just kind of like adding to this team's overall, you know, push towards being respected in the NBA? Yeah, I think, again, that was like one of those tale of two halves games, right, where Warriors are 12 of 25 in the first half from three, seven of 22 in the second half, 17 of Clay's 20 come in the first half, Curry's three of nine in the second half, 13 points. A lot of those are free throws. Um, so I, I think the Kings did things well and made improvements and went out there and did what they needed to, to capitalize on winning that game, 20 golden state turnovers Thought they were great in transition. Um, Malik was phenomenal. Same with De'Aaron. It did kind of feel like a golden state collapse more so than anything, to be honest, like really sloppy turnovers, a, a chaotic like, night from Draymond Green. But like what? Doesn't the the funny thing though is not the funny thing, but the that's usually what the Kings do. Like they usually fall up. Yeah, they melt down. And seeing Draymond Green throw that ball away right after the Malik Monk hit the uh, scored a basket, stole the ball. Uh, Seth Curry's pass immediately after the inbound hits a three. The game was out of reach. I mean, for a moment it was like a, I think it was two minutes left, seven point game, and all of a sudden it's a one point game, and here we go. Is it like a change? I don't want to say changing of the guard. I'm just wondering, like, how much do you think Warriors fans should read into that? Because you're a Bay Area guy. Do you think <laughs> I do have Bay a Jason Area? Richardson jersey behind me? Not gonna lie. Oh, is that which one is it? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's the city one. It's like the one with the uh, what is it? The something car? What do you call it? Uh, uh, cable car. Thank you. Yes, or um, I think so. I'm out in the Bay Area, folks. It's my first opinion. jersey. Pretty there. sure it's cable car. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that that was a mess of a game. And I thought one of the most shocking things, and Steve Kerr actually said yesterday um, at their practice that, you know, it's on him. He should have kept Moody in that game and good on Kerr because like that, I mean, that seemed pretty obvious to everyone, to be in, honest. Insane. I know you got, I know you stick with, you got to stick with your guys and the, yeah. the starters run late, but my God, that was the only guy, only man doing any sort of damage against the Kings late in that game. 
Yeah, it's a mess for Golden State for sure. And I do think that there's reason for concern there. Um, from Sacramento's perspective, I haven't really felt the little brother thing. Like, I think that, okay, so I do think there's an aspect of like, you're the other Northern California team. You've been the Kangs for years. And during that time, the Warriors were literally the modern Chicago Bulls. Like, they went on a historic run. So, from that perspective, I get it. But I think from when the Kings got good, which we're really talking about last season, they were competing. Like, that went to seven games. The Kings could have won that series. If De'Aaron doesn't break the, what is it, index finger of his shooting hand, they I think they win that series. Like, even that game seven, yes, Steph was great and on and put up 50 points. I think he did it on like almost 40 shots. Yeah. Kings, Kings had the lead at halftime. Yeah. It, it was offensive rebounds and missed free throws, which at some point we need to talk about free throws here because what the heck is going on? Um, <sighs> but Boy. they had a chance to win that series. And I know they didn't, but I think they were right there. And I think this conversation would be way different. Now, when it comes to this year, season series matter a lot. And I think that that's one of the interesting things about that game against Golden State is there were so many implications just beyond regular season record, which in itself has its importance, obviously, right? I almost feel like regular season records getting lost in these in-season tournament games where it's like, no, this still matters like a regular season game. Um, but in-season tournament, obviously. But how close the West was last year, you don't want to lose your head-to-head -head matchup throughout the regular season because if you're tied at the end of the year, you, want, you don't want to lose that tiebreaker. And I think that was the biggest thing. One of the biggest things in that game was you were already down 0-2 and you, you managed to fight back and give yourself a chance to tie it later. I don't know if you can hear the no, but leaf blower in the background. So I'm wondering what the leaf blower is. I'm listening to what you're saying, everything. I'm just saying for the leaf blower thing, I mean, from a guy, I mean, we all do, people that listen, you do yards. Like I do yards too. Like I mowed my yard just a couple days ago. What what are What is he leaf blowing over and over do you have like the biggest yard in the planet or? i honestly don't know has this been going on for a while i like just noticed it yeah, uh for a while but it's not it's not distracting i'm just saying from a leaf blowing standpoint like that's just too much like it's a lot i honestly couldn't tell you uh my i think you, I think you got it man like, i think you i think yeah, you yeah. got your spot I, I think so i think so well, I'll, well, hold I'll, I'll put a in check later quick, quick side note before we continue, Brendan, you're in a new home. You're in a new home. I am. You're, you are in a new home, and you apparently have yard service. So that is very good to hear. We do, apparently, Here, um, I'll, as I'll, everybody I'll, can tell. I'll talk for a second if you, to spare you the the uh, leaf blowing. But, um, no, I think that the biggest aspect of that game, most importantly, was that the Kings won the game. I mean, the in-season tournament is important. It's fun, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit once the leaf blower man is done. But Steve Kerr said it himself. I think that he was asked post game. If, if it was a situation where they were up by two, would they foul the Kings to get the Kings a chance to, to tie it and go to overtime and try to win it by 12. And Steve was like, no, like we're trying to win games because that's the, the main goal here. The in-season tournament is fine. It's fun. And we have an opportunity to go to Vegas if they win Monday. So of course we want them to win. We want them to win. We want to go to Vegas. But they want to win. It's about the regular season. It's about the final goal, and that is going to the NBA Finals. That's what the Warriors want to do still. Obviously, they've been there before. And Mike Brown, who it's funny how things have changed over the years, too, and how to speaks to how far the Kings have come. Luke Walton, shout out Luke Walton. We're giving a Luke Walton reference in this, this podcast. 
mentioned, I think it was his pre uh, preseason um, press conference in 2019. And he, and he was asked what the goal is for that group. And he's like, it's going to take it night, night by night. We're going to take it night by night. And we're going to deal with the games as they come. Mike Brown, fast forward to last night. We're, we're trying, we're not trying to win regular season games. We're trying to win a championship. Like he and said, he said that, that multiple, since he got here, we're trying to win a championship. And De'Aaron as well, the piece that came out um, from, I think it was Mark Spears wrote a, wrote a piece on De'Aaron Fox, how he said he wants to bring a championship to Sacramento, which is something he's been outspoken about as well. That doesn't, they don't lose sight of that with the in-season tournament. That's this is fun. It's entertaining, and I know we'll show more thoughts about that later. But um, I think the fact that the Kings were able to get that win is is crucial because, like you said, the West is tight, and the Kings being down 0-2, you can't be down 0-3. You can't lose to the Warriors before we even get to December. Like have that season series in the bag. So that puts a lot of emphasis on that upcoming final regular season matchup. I think it's in January. So. You kind of need, like, not, I don't want to say need, but the Kings kind of needed that win. And funnily enough, playing New Orleans in the next in-season tournament game, that game almost getting like created into the schedule gives you a chance to even that season series because yep. I think you're only going to play them three times throughout the regular season, right? I, th- I didn't think uh, about that. You're right. And now you get a fourth. Now you get a fourth. Um, do you want to talk? In- Actually, before we go in-season tournament, I want to talk th- about De'Aaron if that's cool. That the same conversation to okay. be honest. <laughs> well, let me let me start then real quick about yeah. the free throw shooting. Thirteen free throw attempts. I'm sorry, they're thirteenth in free throw attempts, which that's good, right? That's good. Or I'm sorry, ninth in free throw attempts. That's good. Even the thirteen free throw makes rank in the NBA. That's good. Do you want to know what the Kings are ranked in free throw percentage? Can you guess what they are ranked? Or are you looking at it? What they're ranked? I definitely looked percentage? at it earlier. Okay, then why don't you t- share it with the people? What the Kings 27th. are ranked? Twenty seventh. That is atrocious i want to look at the teams beneath them real quick I give the teams beneath them or is it i do not i'm looking at what they were last year actually they were 12th at 79 percent this year again 27th at 73 percent 73.7 outrageous and the teams beneath the kings might make you feel a little better um the knicks who've had a good start to the year also 10 and 7 the raptors who are 9 and 10 they're kind of figuring out what they're going to do do you know what the last? Can you guess the last team in the or the worst free throw shooting team in the NBA is? Um, hmm. Let's see who gets like hacked or something. Would it be Brooklyn? I'll give you one more guess. Other one I got would be like New York. No, it is the Denver Nuggets. Really? They are thirtieth in Never free throw shooting. That. Free throw shooting percentage. They are seventy one point one percent. Never would have got that. So um, bad. When it comes to individuals, De'Aaron, right? 73.2% on eight a game. His attempts are back up. I think he's getting like superstar calls now. He, he's getting a very friendly whistle now. And I think it's deserved. 73.2%. Okay. It needs to be better. Um, that, that, that's down from last year. I think last year he was near 78. 80%. Yeah. He was near 80%. That was the career high. So that's yeah. It, it's so up and down, right? Like the, the you nine, see these, the nine of 17 hurts them though. Pretty bad, but that's, that's, that's gonna, easily the worst one. Like every other game, actually he was, or he's been above 70% in all but three games, a four of seven, two of a nine of 17 and a two of four. If you, if you throw those in there, Math. Uh, but yeah, there's a nine of 10, six of seven, six of seven, five of six, five of six. Like he has decent nights. Um, and I do think that we've seen like three point progress from him, 
even if maybe sometimes he's chucking a little bit. I, I think that's just kind of part of the process here. Um, I didn't realize Domos's number was so bad. He's, I mean, that's been a problem for him too. I mean, the fact that last year, going into last year, I think that was one of the a talking point was the Kings' two best players are, you know, eventual all-stars and all-NBA talents. They can't make free throws. I mean, Sabonis has been, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure you have it in front of you, but he's been pretty bad this year from the line, if I'm not mistaken. 65%. 65%. It's actually a career low. His rookie season, 65.7 on like 0.8 a game. Which tells you uh, it's going to improve. 74.2. Yeah, it, it is. But like he walks when, to that line. You think he's missing one, right? 100%. To be honest. 100%. I I have no disrespect to, to DeMontis Sabonis. When he goes to the line, I have almost confidence that he will miss one. And I hope that is something that changes because – the Kings as a, as a whole, but those are the guys taking the most attempts are, am I wrong? Or mm-hmm. is anyone taking more attempts than Fox? No, you're right. Yeah. It's they, those two. And then, uh, after that, where did this go? Uh, you have Malik who obviously oh. is a great free throw shooter. Look but at the there's, drop a, off. there's a big jump. Yeah. It's from 6.1 Sabonis to 3.1 Malik. And then Lyles is there. He's played four games at three. So the your two, your guys are taking 15 attempts per game about 15 attempts per game. They're shooting a combined maybe 70%, 68, 69, yeah. 70%. I mean, that's that's just not going to cut it. Domas has a 7 of 12. He has a 6 of 11. Then there's a 6 of 10, 7 of 10, 7 of 8. Like, he needs to be better there for sure. And it, it's frustrating, man, because they're getting to the line, like you said. Uh, but you have to be able to convert that. And again, that game 7 in Golden State, everybody talks about Steph's 50. Coach has said plenty of times it was offensive rebounds and free throws. They missed double-digit free throws, and everybody knows what Kevon Looney did to them. Um, but the uh, the free throws were killer in that. And they shoot free throws at the end of every single one of their practices. We see it. We have to wait. We have to wait for them to do sometimes it. Sometimes we have to wait a sec. Sometimes we, we had to – like a half an hour we had to wait like, one time. Yeah, yeah. Like there was one really bad one last year. And there was one really bad one at the beginning of this season, right? And I think how it works is um, they have everybody line up on the lines on, on a baseline and coach picks a player to come up. You have to knock down two free throws. If you miss one, the whole team runs the line, right? And I'm pretty sure what has to happen is three players have to make two in a row. And there was one time early this year, we waited 20 minutes, dude. Like typically they go pretty quick. I will say, but there was one time last year and one time at the beginning of this season where I was like, God, this is tough. And like, well, at a certain point they'll call, okay, like Malik, go knock him down. And let's go. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Yeah. And like even he missed one and it's like, okay, like let's, let's get through this. But it's, uh, you know, sure. The fact that the Denver Nuggets are 30th, that's encouraging. The Kings aren't the Denver Nuggets though. They, they cannot be, I mean, it's a 27th or worse in free throw shooting. That doesn't mean their season's doomed. But my God, I mean, look at, I'm looking at Fox and Sabonis, the, the combination yeah, of 15, 15 uh, free throws a game are shooting under 70% combined. Um, that's, that's, that's going to improve in my opinion. I think it's going to improve. It's an early season thing. You have to hope, but um, we've seen De'Aaron Fox take that step forward. He was almost 80% last year, but uh, problematic so far. They're both right around career lows, which to your point means they're going to go up. Um, hopefully. They they need to go up for those two guys. You gotta knock those down. They're they're free. To. They're free. You got to. Um, but to the point of De'Aaron, 
He's played 77 minutes in two games and put up 69 points in 48 hours. Like, he is fourth in the league in points per game, 30.7. 48.9% from the field, 36.3% from three on 8.5 a game, 5.8 assists, and also a career low uh, 2.1 turnovers per game in here. We mentioned the defensive progress. I think that has been night and day. Coach talked about, I, I think <laughs> Coach has a lot of all-time lines in my mind, but after that Golden State game, when he's talking about De'Aaron's two-way impact, he's like, that's a two-way player. Um, if you want the definition of a, a two-way player, go look at that second half, put him in Webster's. <laughs> I <laughs> Web- loved it. And then Webster's like responded to the the Kings put yes. that on social media, and Webster's was like, <laughs> Uh, two way like n- two way player like noun, and they put a fox emoji. So that's so good. Mike, so Mike just got the the golden quotes, man. He De'Aaron is a star, man. Like, would you say superstar? I will I'm, say superstar. Like, I I really think that we're there. No, I, I really think that we're there. Well, Brendan, like, and I I think people take we talked about last night because I know you were yeah. on the air with some of our guys at the station, and and I think some felt different that superstar is a a very uh, watered down phrase by the younger right. generation of basketball enjoyers like ourselves. But I, I think when you look at what De'Aaron Fox is doing, I mean, I'll go ahead and just put it over the past four seasons. We'll make it a wide, 25 points per game, four rebounds, 6.3 assists, 1.3 steals, 49% from the field, three point shot. We know it struggled over the past couple of years, 33%, but this year, 36%. I mean, this man is 26 years old, going to be 26 years old. Uh, a 30 point per game score, a defensive threat. Now that he's bought, completely bought it on the defensive end, he's shooting three now. Like he's already probably on like the doorstep of being the best player in Sacramento Kings history. I don't think that's hyperbole. I think that when you look at what he's doing, I mean, he's already surpassed Marcus cousins in a couple areas. I think he's one forty. He's one forty point game to become the leader in the Sacramento era. I don't know what else he needs to do to become a superstar. He's an all NBA player. He's an all-star. The NBA is starting to market him. He's on Curry brand. He's clutch. In more I ways mean, than one. <laughs> clutch and more clutch player of the year, and he's with a clutch representative. Yeah. I don't know what you need to become a superstar. Probably, I guess people would say that are screaming at me if you're not a Kings fan. Multiple all-star appearances, multiple playoff appearances. Okay, I think that's going to happen in his career. So I think it's fair to say that this, this man at 25 and all the things he's done is a superstar. I mean, he makes it, like you said, he makes it look easy. I honestly didn't even know he had 36 points at the time when I saw this, I looked at the, the box, the, um, the score bug. We have our score screen. We have up scoreboard screen, whatever you call it. What the hell is that thing called? The Jumbotron. Oh, Oh, not yeah, the Jumbotron. Yeah. The, the thing, the media row has yeah, the stat, like, the stat, board. the stat <laughs> screen. You know, um, I was like, it's 36 points. Played 28, 29 minutes. Yeah. So I'm just impressed by the way he's getting it done and how easy he makes it look. And um, some De'Aaron Fox appreciation for your for your afternoon. He really has only had, I would say, like one bad game. And actually, uh, well, that game against Golden State, the free throws are like individually. If you just highlight the free throws, the free throws are bad in that Golden State game. But that first loss against New Orleans, where everybody looked horrible, and you know that's the second night of a back-to-back thing. Um, but again, De'Aaron was really good on this second 
second night of a back-to-back they played this year. Uh, but that game against New Orleans, 14 points in 28 minutes, right? Um, his other below 20 point, below 25 point game is 18 points in Utah, where his team won by 16. That's because Harrison was putting up 30 plus. Harrison and, took over that game. Yeah, yeah. He, he just deferred, you know, as as he should in that sort of scenario. But he's had six games of 30 plus. He's had two games of 40 plus. His assists are are up there for sure. He has a 12 assist game in that one against Minnesota. Um, in let's see, in eight of his 12 games, he has two turnovers or less. Like we mentioned, the defense. He again that Golden State game. He goes from Steph Curry goes to Clay Thompson. At some point, they have him on Draymond Green. Um, I, I think he's been everything that you literally could ask for in a star. I go into games thinking there is a chance that the Kings have the best player on the floor tonight, no matter who is out there. And that's huge for a team. It's something that the Kings have not had in a very long time. And it's different. Like I think one of the biggest arguments behind when DeMarcus cousin was here in Sacramento, and I'm mostly just going about it with my, my friends who would argue with me how DeMarcus cousins is a, empty stat like or stat stuffing player on a horrible team uh you know i don't just i don't think that's the same situation here it's not anymore especially not with the kings being a winning team and i'm looking at right now players right now who are averaging 30 points per game and five assists there are five players can you name those players um let's do Gosh, who would this be? 30 is, points, five assists. Is Booker one. in here? SGA? Nope. SGA's one. Giannis? Nope. Is Joel up there? There's two. Um Jokic? The other two, I'll just tell you. Yeah. I'll read them out, actually. Shea Gilgis Alexander. That makes sense. Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Luka Doncic. Duh. Okay. Kevin Durant, KD, huh? Okay, and De'Aaron Fox. These aren't just all-star players; these are MVP candidates. That is like your MVP without without Giannis, who will probably be in that list in the next week or two, and Jokic, of course. These are MVP candidates. Like, did all of those guys make first team last year? Maybe um, one was second, KD or something. They're all first or second team at yeah. worst. At yeah. worst. So, like, I think the whole conversation around De'Aaron Fox—it's not only really a conversation anymore. Like, this is just who he is. He is a star-level player. If you want to call him a superstar, you can. But this man's doing this on a nightly basis while playing the best defense, you know, the, the putting the most effort in he has on the defensive end. So it's 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 a very encouraging sign come from where we were two years ago, a year and a half ago, when, again, not to get down the Halliburton foxhole, but just the fact that, no, no one really was able to be their true selves. Like it was just very, and I know you, th- I know you think it could have worked too. And I think that there was a, p- a situation where yeah, maybe it could have worked out. Like maybe someone plays a little more off ball. I think De'Aaron could probably be a pretty decent off ball scorer if he's playing like this, but I think that he is so dominant with the ball in his hands at this rate yeah. and, and the usage he's going through right now. And it just unlocked him. Like I think just, he's been a completely unlocked player since that happened. Even after that trade happened, he just went on a tear and, and hasn't looked back. So, um, it's also still insane to me, crazy, that he's 25 and he's been around for what feels like forever. Seven years, right? This is year seven? 25 years old. And 
wild. Not even to his prime yet. So that's very fun. Very, very fun. Yeah, and I think the three things are like the three-point shot that we mentioned, the defense, and then consistency, right? Like how often throughout the last couple years was it like, you know, Darren was pretty quiet that game. Like it's been every single night. It's been every single night except that one New Orleans game. And again, the Utah game where he's just deferring because HB is just totally on a heater. The God like, HB. HB was in God mode that yeah, game. Yeah, dude. For HB, first game of the season is an all-time player. I don't know what it is. Maybe a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Maybe a Hall of Famer. Like, I wish Chris is on here to put his two cents. There's there's um, FIBA Dennis Schroeder. There's Olympic oh. Patty Mills. And, and there's first game of the season, Harrison Barnes. Dude, throw Olympic Mello in there. Olympic Mello is nuts, too. True, true. More of a, more of a three-point percentage, I guess, than points per game. But Mello in the Olympics was crazy. I think it was 2012. I was like, this man is out of his mind. But... Uh, Darren Fox, my, I'm just out, I think he's an all NBA again this year. I'm just throwing out easily, there. easily. Yeah. Like I, I think he's flirting with first team right now. Absolutely. I think if he is healthy and again, he's in well within that, the new, uh, is it 65 games? Yeah. He's only missed five. Um, so he's got like seven more. No, not, what's math? Miss no, five more. Right. Cause he so like, he'd be at 77. So he could still miss 12 more. I think. Yeah. 12 more. So Plenty of wiggle room. I uh, hope that doesn't happen. But what he's doing is incredible. And I think that in in like the, you know, it's it's a bummer. It's in losses when you see guys score 40 and they kind of just get like moved passing. Sasha even said it last night, like, oh, we, or they, anyone will say, De'Aaron say it himself. Like they don't, they don't care about these numbers and they lose, but um, it doesn't mean we should appreciate any less what he's doing right now. Yeah, and Coach Brown yesterday was pretty blunt in saying like, De'Aaron's been great. He can't do it by himself. And that was kind of the name of the game against that Clippers. Um, how do you feel going into the season tournament? The Kings play the Pelicans, and then the winner of that will play the winner of Phoenix and LA, the Lakers. It is, it is shaping up to be, could be a very fun week if things go the way we want them to. Not just for you and I, maybe going to Vegas, but you look at the, the teams left. If the Kings get past New Orleans, they could play Big the if. Lakers. Big if. Big if. That's going to be a really tough game. But being at home helps. Mm-hmm. But they could they could play the Lakers potentially, or the Suns, but I'd rather the Kings play the Lakers, obviously, in Vegas. And there's a potential, again, if Indiana can navigate, the, which is, in my opinion, a brutal eastern side of that that uh, 14 bracket or 18 bracket. If they can get past either Milwaukee or or Milwaukee and or Boston, they play Milwaukee in the opening round. Or I think they play they play Boston, and then the other side of the bracket is Milwaukee, New York. I don't know if they're gonna get by Boston, but the fact that the Kings could play either any of those teams if they could get there would be so so entertaining. I mean, it'll be entertaining no matter what. But just imagine seeing Kings Lakers in the first round or that first game, and then going to see. Kings Pacers. That would be just the Kings most Pacers would be electric. Dude, the I, I actually think that the talking points might get a little tiring, but it'd yeah. be so fun. It'd be, it'd be so like fun. A, a mini like, NBA finals. And I almost feel like Buddy Heald's getting overlooked in all of this. Like Buddy Heald would be such an interesting player to watch in that game. There'd be some sound bites for it. Oh, for some sure. Pre-game sound bites for sure. <laughs> yes. But I think no matter what, the NBA is going to get a win for this. I think that no matter, even if it's the Lakers and the Celtics or 
the Suns and the Bucks. Like they're going to get a very good product. They're going to get people to buy in. It's going to be single elimination basketball. Even if you're, you know, these are guys. I know the money makes things difficult, or you know, sometimes when people look at the money that these players are making, but they're guys that just love to play basketball more times than not. And you're all ball out there. Hey, winner gets 500k. There's that money again. Okay, it doesn't matter. They want to win. So like, I think it's gonna be very entertaining, very fun. I hope the Kings make it selfishly because first of all, it'll be fun to cover no matter if we're going or not. But second, because we're probably going to be going on down to, to Sin City if they make it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The Pelicans are definitely going to be tough. I do think that the Kings really care about the in-season tournament. Like, it's Domas has been a fan of it since we've asked him. Um, you know, he talks about how it's similar to kind of things that they do over in Europe and he likes it. De'Aaron just wants to win. Like, and I think that's how a lot of these guys are. I thought that De'Aaron's point of there will only ever in history be one first winner of this. And he related it to, he will always be the first clutch player of the year. I mean, forever. Nobody can ever take that. Maybe 50 years from now, they rename that trophy the Deer and Fox Trophy. You, you never, never know. You never know. Like, yeah, Fox around and find out. Like, you never know, man. They'll name uh, the NBA Cup the King's Cup. Dude, I'm saying that, <laughs> that it needs to be a crown that they give people if the Kings win the first one. I'm just saying. Um, I am excited. I think the players are bought in. And, again, it goes beyond just in-season tournament. I really do think that evening the season series or giving yourself an opportunity to in their, in the fourth matchup against new Orleans is big in this. Um, they just got pumped by the Pelicans twice. Like they are going to come out with some good energy in this game. New Orleans does have a tough, tougher schedule leading up to it. Um, going to pull this up exactly again here, but I know that they have a back to back. They're playing on, Friday, Saturday, so Friday mm. at home in San Antonio uh, against San Antonio, and then Saturday they go to Chicago, and then get one day off on Sunday, oh, man. and then they come to Sacramento on they Monday. Sh- so sh- Chicago to sa- to Sacramento on Sunday, yeah. either one a day red eye, between, but yeah, probably take a red eye. Nights. I'd imagine take a red eye Saturday night, but that's three games and four nights, and having to travel from Chicago to Sacramento is is tough. And the Kings have been home for a week. Like it's kind of opposites of what we saw the Kings just have to deal with, right? Like Dallas to New Orleans, not a super long flight or anything, but that was second night of a back to back. It was the latter end of a road trip. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a big test. I think that, you know, must win. We talk about that a lot. Like the phrase must win. I'm not saying it's a must win, but I think it's a game that I think you do need to prove you're not going to get, pushed around and bullied by the Pelicans because that could prove to be a problem if the Kings didn't face them in the playoffs or the play-in tournament because the Kings are probably going to be in the mix unless they go through injuries for a play-in spot or playoff spot. But if they fall down to that 7-8-9 territory, Pelicans are kind of in that same exact area. Like, they're a team that's expected to probably be, you know, we'll see what happens over the course of the season. I think that a lot of them have them in the, you know, 6-10 six to six to 10 range, which is kind of where a lot right. of people have the Kings right now. So, um you have to prove you can't lose by, I think it was 18 and 25. Like, no, you got to come out at home where the Kings have played well. They lost their second game at home of the season last night. Uh, it's a very, really good opportunity for them to show it. And also, it'll be a really fun night. It's another TNT broadcast. 
a, a packed house. I'm expecting it'll be a packed house and the longest um, timeouts you've ever seen. It's crazy. No, I hate that. It, we got <laughs> out of there so late the other night. Like it was ridiculous. And last night we regular game ha- rather at 10 on the dot. having the back to back. Like you really feel the difference. Even Malik was joking around post game after that Warriors one that like, dude, like I almost get stiff during these timeouts. Like, yeah, it's take like ever take forever. But I, I, I think that, um, yeah, Trey Murphy's indeed playing to make his debut. Yeah. So Trey Murphy's coming back. Says well, my fantasy team. Shout, dude, shout out to my fantasy team. I have him in my Ooh, IR. We got a yeah. lot of players. We do. We do. Uh, Devin Massell. Mm-hmm. Do you have Kate? Okay. I don't have Kate. I wish I had Kate. Okay. Okay. But, um, what was the last I had? Oh, just yeah, like the the atmosphere is has been notable. I mean, obviously it was Kings Warriors that's a little different, but even the Thunder game, it was a really amped up mm-hmm. atmosphere, and you can just feel the change. And last night, from the opening tip, it just felt off. I just felt like, and again, it was a back to back. We're tired, being up late and having to you know do our stuff, and I can't imagine what the players are going through. Much different. I'm I it, I'm not saying we are NBA players. Trust me. Uh, even though I was. A one point per game score in high school. Just one. Yeah, just saying. Just saying. Throw that out there. Yeah. Pretty mean with it. But it was completely dead, in my opinion, at the beginning. And there wasn't really a, a, a charge in, in the arena until they made that run late. But I think Monday is gonna be a very fun night and I'm looking looking forward to it. I'm hoping we can plan our trip after that. Yeah, that would be a great time. Um on the lines of your one point per game. I would have been on the same high school basketball team as Jaime Hawkins if I made grades. Just saying. Just hey, man. Just study. Saying. Stay in school. Stay in school. So we're both kind of like that, you know? Yeah, you know. I don't want to intimidate I, uh, anyone, but. Yeah, we, we, you know, together we'd make one good basketball player. I'm in we would beat Deuce player. Mason is what matters. We'd be, Deuce Mason last night, uh, post, show me what his post up would be like last night. And he <laughs> used his backside to bump me into the first row of seats next to the basket. <laughs> So that was an and experience. Claims he plays like Draymond Green, which, you know, I I feel like people that say that. I'm also someone that claims I play like Rondo, which is kind of the point guard version of Draymond Green for what it's worth. So, dude, yeah. I feel like it'd be very annoying to play with Deuce. I think he would just be the most infuriating person to play with. And I don't call fouls, but I think for him to be funny, I would just call fouls and just get him really just angry. Call fouls the whole time. Get him really angry. I just try to make sure like that'd be my goal is get him like Draymond. I don't want to get in his get in his head. Let's get him angry. Yeah. Why not? Why yeah. not? Um any final thoughts here, Frank? No, I mean everything's fine. I mean I I think it's been a, a, a weird couple of days. A really, really exciting game. I was joking like last night I wish the Kings had two days off after the Warriors game to enjoy just how fun that was. And I think it still is fun. Um they're playing overall, I think, decent basketball. I mean, those two wins against Minnesota and Golden State, those are big wins in the scheme of the regular season. But, you know, there's the ugly as well. A lot of season to go. And I think that Denver is going to be a tough test on on Saturday. That's a really, really tough matchup. Uh, but I do think the Kings last year played them pretty well. Uh, aside from the last game of the year where no one really played and it didn't really count, pretty, I guess. But, um they matched up with, with the, the Nuggets really well. They beat them last year in the first game back from Sabonis breaking his hand, uh, which is insane that he really did that. We'll look back on that in probably 10 years, by the way, and think that man really just played a whole season with a broken yeah, just hand. Casually. They just taped him together and said, yeah. go go average. And he didn't even notice it. Go do 18, 12, and 7, which like three other big men in the history of the game have done. So, um, no, I'm, just, I'm feeling good about the team right now. The fact that they're 10 and 7, 
at this point, like last year is pretty funny, just different, but same, same, but different. So, yeah. well, last yeah, year was pretty good, man. Like, it's just about, can you do more in the postseason? Like regular season wise, last year was fine. Um, for me, De'Aaron has been elite. I think that we've seen progress from Keegan and Domas defensively that have been encouraging to me. And I think as a team, like I remember times last year asking coach, like, why, what have you seen that makes you believe this team can be a good defense? Right. Which of course he's going to talk them up, but like just genuinely trying to be like, dude, like, I don't even think I've seen very many stretches. Like there was the fourth quarter in Cleveland where I think they stopped them from scoring for who knows how long that was great, but it was like super rare to get a really good defensive stretch. Right. Even more than a quarter. Like I need like a half. And I think we've seen more substantial stretches this year up to this point than we had last year. And I think that's encouraging. So I think those are the encouraging aspects. I think that dealing with injuries haven't been great. I still think the backup center is a total mess. And they really miss Alex Len. It's and crazy. Really point guard. Yeah. Alex Len was really big in that game. Uh, the last time that they played Denver, remember they played two straight games at home against Denver. And I think Domas wasn't in the first one. And Alex Len did a great job. Oh, man. They got to put JaVale in there. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They, I don't know if they can put – well, they might have to try to put Trey in with Jokic, but uh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Alex Lem, joking aside, he is, he is a physical presence, and he is – again, we talk about the bruising bigs that aren't afraid to get in there and, and get dirty. He does that, and I think that's what the Kings really need, and that's why the Kings brought him back, and that's why Mike Brown and, and that coaching staff put him in there as a the backup center in the final week of the regular season in the playoffs last year because he brings that sense – of saying the word we use a lot, physicality and, and yep. just being in there and getting stuff done. So, um, yeah, backup point guard, backup center. I think it'll be really interesting to watch how we, when we get to January and early February, I think it's going to be pretty intriguing to keep an eye on what the Kings do and what Monty McNair is looking at because this, we're definitely going to be having trade conversations. This, this could be a year where they don't stand pat. It definitely could. They need. I was listening to low post uh, Zach Lowe talked about him the other day and his whole thing is like, you know, Darren Domas are great. I don't think you can be a, I think he used the word serious with a capital S team in the NBA with your three guys between them being Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes and no disrespect to those guys. Keegan is going to be really good, but he's young. And those other two guys are probably fifth starters on most like, championship teams right that's your yeah. fifth guy and even keegan probably on a championship team you're talking current production keegan murray is probably a fifth starter and you have three fifth starters like they have the core pieces in place i think but i i would expect that eventually they're going to add another guy and I we've seen them be very patient though at some point, I think it's going to happen. I don't think it's really a question of if. I think that they're going yeah. to make a move. Whether it's going to work or not is a different question. But, and we talked about it with Chris and Alan, and we don't need to go too deep down this before we go. I know you have a haircut you got to get to, but uh, they need to make a big move. It's just, will it happen February? Will it happen next summer? Will that be the the, the driving point? Will another first-round exit make the Monty McNair say, okay, we're, we're pulling the ripcord on the original beam team and all the guys that are still here, 
you know, Fox Sabonis, they'll be here. They'll probably try to bring Malik Monk back, but got to make things, you know, a little different. Like we got to change things up. So um, if they can put themselves in a good position come January, February, maybe that changes things, but um, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on how, how things unfold over the next month and a half or two. It definitely will. And we will see because I do think that when you take that final swing to go get a third guy, if that's the move we're talking about, because you could make obviously smaller fringe moves. Um, but say you're talking about trading firsts and matching salary, whether that's HB and Kevin, or if you're really getting a star, maybe you need to throw Keegan in there. Um, and to people that are like, oh, you don't need to, you can still make a good deal. You don't have to make a good deal. You have to make the best offer of all the teams in the league. And, you know, when it comes to stars, usually you have a young player somewhere in there. Um, but I think the reason that you be patient is because once you make that move, it better be the right move. Like that's all your assets. Look what Phoenix did. Like Phoenix yeah. and will it work? We don't know. I mean, they have yet to be fully healthy. They played, I don't think they played one game with all their guys yet, nope. but they gave up nice two really good young players, Mikel Bridges, which I, I think he could turn out to be, I don't know about all-star, but maybe an all-star at some point in his career. Um, and Cam Johnson, like they had to make a move that hurt and like it set you back with youth. Well, your youth is gone. You set draft capital away. And that honestly is kind of like the last, uh, you know, we saw it with the Halliburton trade, but that's kind of like the last ace in, in the hole for, for money. Like you have your draft picks, you have some young talent, but once you make that move and if you bring in like a superstar, you start, you like officially start that clock. Like that clock is like, okay, you have no draft capital for the next couple of years. Sabonis is 27. Fox will be 26. Fox is two years after this year on his contract. Go like, this is the time to go now. So don't want to get too far down the road, but, um, it's an exciting time. I think this is fun. It's fun to have these conversations. It's fun that the Kings are in a position to even have this talk. Like the fact that they are a winning, they're a winning team. They are looking to bring in another star talent. That is fun. That is exciting. But you know, you got to stay healthy and stay the course. And the Kings are doing that right now. Absolutely. Um, well, that's going to do it Frank, yeah. for this episode of the return of the roar podcast. Be sure to tune into 1140 AM, uh, Sacktown sports, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday. Check out SacktownSports.com for written content from myself and Frankie covering the Kings and uh, Emil on there doing Niners work as well. And we're dabbling in a little bit of other stuff there as well. So be sure to check that out. And if you enjoyed this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and like is always appreciated. And any major listening platform, um, yeah, subscribe review is also very much appreciated. So thanks to everybody for listening. And you'll hear from us again in next couple of days.